Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to episode 38 of the Screen Bucket Podcast. Yes, and on a very stormy Valentine's Day weekend at point of recording. Mm, yes, very stormy. It seems like we're in a... What, literally ever since we watched The Lighthouse, mm. we've been in a constant storm. The wind has changed. Yes, Storm Kira and then Storm Dennis. And yeah, how... Uh effective for such a film to actually affect the weather yes (laughs) yes so the lighthouse we've been waiting to see this for so long now um we finally got to see it last weekend absolutely loved it yeah i think it's safe to say we went deep into it in analysis uh mode for our patreon exclusive screen bucket night shift last week Mm -hmm. so if you want to know kind of our in-depth thoughts it's all there do check it out patreon.com slash media but bullet point oh, amazing amazing um and yeah the only so your melissa and mike they weren't too fond of it no uh spoke to someone else at work whose parents went to see it and they hated it um it's an acquired taste yeah do you, well have, do you have to be arty do you have to have gone to the university well, mike kept saying arty I don't think it's an arty film. No. I just think it's it doesn't give in. It doesn't give you everything. To, here you go, eat, feast, yeah. feast on all of our stuff. It sort of makes you go, yeah, try a bit of toast. Come on, have a look. Come on, have a look at this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that David Lynch kind of, uh, yeah. come on in, have a look around. Dip your toes in the strangeness of this movie. Yes. Yeah, but, but when it comes down to it, is it arty because it's black and white? Is that what's confusing it's, people? I f- it's the aperture and it's the lighting and it's yes, the black and whiteness. Yeah, and the fact the- that there's only two people, people see it as like a an art performance because there's, there's no one else in it for the vast majority of the film. But the story's pretty straightforward, I suppose. The, there's also the fact that there's unreliable narrator stuff going on. Mm. There's lots of. You have to uh, think as well and try to figure it out. There's lots of gaslighting. There's lots of like, yeah, but you've been saying this for weeks. Huh? huh? Has he? What? Like, huh? I thought it was yesterday. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, which, so I suppose you have to keep on your toes. But <laughs> try harder, audience. Yeah, like it, for goodness sake. Ugh. But yes. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. So it won't be a review this week. But if you want to hear our thoughts, yes. Once again, the stream bug at night shift. Indeed. It, yes, indeed. So, yeah, it's Valentine's Day weekend. It certainly is. Happy Valentine's, Rob. Mm, no. Oh. Or if, uh, no. Uh, yes. I. Valentine's Day annoyed me uh, at work. I've drawn you a heart. Thanks, mate. People spend so much money on Valentine's Day these days. You can't just be carding <laughs> flowers. <laughs> Here we go. No, I just don't understand. Get off my lawn, kids. £150. What On what? On Valentine's someone spent. Yeah. Just bollocks. What, on a meal or? Meal, jewellery. Oh, okay, right. It's the whole thing. Uh, There's one person uh, at work who received a box the size of... What could you carry in a box this big? Uh... Uh, it was uh, a Labrador a small Labrador right definitely a human baby right would fit in this box right uh, she received it she went running to reception to go get it came back up 
immediately surrounded by women. Oh. <laughs> exactly the same as what happens when a baby gets brought into the office instantly. Really? They all gather around, smiling. Exactly the same facial things. Um, all looking at this woman, un- un- unpackage this box from her fiancé. Yeah. Oh my god. I was far away. I didn't get up. But she pulled out roses, perfume, makeup, stuff, and stuff, and a, a massive card the size of a book, which had a poem that she read out, and all they all started crying. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, no, I'm being a curmudgeon. It's lovely, isn't it? Whatever. It is. It. it that public display things where it crosses the line for me. There's also also the if she didn't get it, I bet she would have been furious. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's the subtext. Uh, there was another woman I used to work with who, if she didn't have flowers on her desk on Valentine's Day, she was livid. Really? Angry. Angry. Oh dear. Yeah. So I don't mess with these people. <laughs> they show their stuff off because if I didn't have it, they'd be furious. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But I like Valentine's. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good excuse for people to who have lots of complicated things to find time to get together and all that sort of stuff. Well, I had a Manentine's Day. Oh. Yeah. So, Manentine's Day is when you gather your single friends together and do things, drink. It was effectively a night out, but it filled the gap. Okay. Yeah. That's what it was. was Were there lots of... Did you see other groups of single men and single women doing the same thing? There were... Yeah, there were a few. Yeah. Um, Of trying to force themselves into some form of romance. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a predicament, isn't it? Well, why didn't they do... You know what I never see in real life? You see it on TV all the time. Speed dating. Mm. Why aren't pubs doing Valentine's Day speed dating events? The world has changed. People, well, whatever, or some equipment change. They should do, but I think that's a thing of the past now, speed dating, isn't it? Is people, it? People look at it as something that's maybe a bit pathetic and sad, especially when you've got dating apps. You can just go on I there. would say it's better than dating apps. Oh, yeah. Less It's more evil. exciting. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a lot more exciting. You get chemistry, you get the actual physical response. Yeah, there's, there's um, some joy and excitement in it, as opposed to, I find that dating apps do suck the living life out of you over yes. a period of time, leaving think, you a husk. I think I warned you of this when you first started yeah. getting into it, like, yeah, it's fun now, but... Yeah. I was like, oh, this is brilliant, oh, after, this is great. After a while, you're going to hate everything about it. Why, why, why is she swiped right and not spoken to me? Yeah, <laughs> what is that about? Why won't you, why won't you respond to me? Yeah, and so forth. And then, you, and then you worry about every word. Yeah. You could just say the most normal thing ever. But that's pretty boring. That's too boring. Yeah. You have to add some cats in there. Do you know, once um, I was speaking to a girl and we were getting on really well and I started talking about us doing 31 Days of Horror, mm-hmm. which we did last October, folks. Um, and she said, oh, I'd like to see one. <laughs> Showed her one. That was that. Yeah, but that, <laughs> that's good. I think that's a good thing because if... That's a good, like... It filters it out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It filters it out. Because right. when I was using Dana, I think I used Stream Bucket. I went, have a listen to that. Yeah. But most of the time, it was quite positive. It didn't... They carried on. Yeah. Uh, hello, if you're still listening, that would be a bit awkward, wouldn't it? But, yeah. Um, this stuff is... Uh, hobbies and things and interests are useful tools to get rid of people. Yeah. 
The ones you don't, you know, you're not gonna exactly have a connection with. Even in a non-dating world, like there's a girl in, in work who, you know, we were doing that hobby showcase thing that we were talking about before. Right. And she went, so what do you do? Explained to her, and she went, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not interested. Oh. And walked away, and I went, okay, great, I didn't waste awesome. any time. Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, these things, like anything, uh, are there things that are guaranteed to turn people away, though? Um... I don't like it if girls talk mentioning about how much they like dogs. But that's, you know, that's just a dating app thing. That's what they always say. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, there's some overused dating app yeah. tropes. Want to go and looking to find that guy to have the next adventure with. Yeah. Um, if you have a dog, I'm swiping right. I love so traveling. Uh, cheese is my spirit animal. Stuff like that. I don't know. God. Yeah, I can see all of these. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, yeah. There's guys, a picture of me with an elephant. Guys, I don't know what the, I don't know what girls have as an issue on their Tinder. I I told you didn't I? We, I once had a really bad uh, plenty of fish date. I think it was. So when you swapped Tinder, swapped phones, and we swapped it for each other. Yeah, it is different. Okay. Men, let me think back now. They see I, the way I remember it. They tend to just be blokes. Right. They weren't doing. Elephants and things. <laughs> They're mostly just like standing. Yeah, here I am. This is me next to my car. I'm in a shirt. I'm in a shirt. Yeah. I'm smart. I've got my sh- I've got my stuff together. Check me out. I've got my arm on a mate. Yeah. Having a great time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I've got both feet on the ground. I'm. So, I'm my <laughs> life is sorted out. But they, like genuinely, almost ninety percent of them were just that. Mm. And I was always, when I remember thinking, I was always really cautious, like looking at what women were putting on doing. Why is he doing that? Weird <laughs> stuff. There's pictures of me in costume. Yeah. Yeah, and there's... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, what yeah. are we talking about on the show today? Okay, well, we've obviously covered Valentine's feelings, but uh, we've got a special rom zom com classic to talk about the in depth. First, Simon Pegg. First, rom zom com <laughs> Brain Dead. Yes, 1992's Brain Dead by Peter Jackson. Oh, it's the best film ever. It is the best film ever. We'll it's be, amazing. We'll be going into depth on that. We'll cover a little bit about kind of what we've been watching anyway, shortly. Uh, what else? Well, we're going to do Fort Schmort, uh, Fortnite Schmort Night. We're going to be talking about um, some new stuff coming out. Um, Oscars. Oh, the Oscars was last week. The Oscars. Um, yeah, some... Maybe mm, in high, now that I've seen Parasite, not shocked. I'll get into that later though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cool. Green bucket, Adam and Rob. Oh, Ralph. Here you go, Ralph. <gasps> You choo-choo-choose me? Happy Valentine's. Well, lots and lots of stuff has come out all of a sudden. Have you noticed this? Loads of things. Right at the end of Jan, everything came out. Mm. Oh, there's Harley Quinn and Sonic the Hedgehog. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that stuff. But also, like, the the finale finale of BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. 
I did you never watch Bojack Horseman? No, I need to get back on it. I will. Um, people are going mental about it online, aren't they? It's finished now. It's it's not a spoiler to say that it the ending uh, is a bit of an anticlimax in one respect, but it's absolutely perfect in another. Okay. So it, it's it's hard to tell. Some people are really annoyed about it. Some people absolutely love it. The whole show is incredible. Mm. I was watching a philosophy video on it on YouTube about how it kind of does, deals with stories. And they always make a big point from episode one about how they don't really like endings. Mm. About the joys, the doing, the journey. Right. So that kind of pays off with the ending, I think. Okay. You kind of get everything you need by watching the show. Mm. You don't have to build up to a big explosive finale. Which I think is pretty good, actually, looking back at it. Makes sense. Oh, good, good, good. So, yes, I'd recommend anyone pick it up. As long as you've got a fairly sturdy... Uh, it's going to crush me a few times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Emotionally. Yeah, no. Brilliant. Totally will uh, get on that. Um, I watched the film Jungle the other day. Jungle. With Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe plays an annoying hipster travelling through South America. He meets more annoying hipsters and they do hipster things um, uh. with the natives and the locals and look really smug about it and feel self-important. And then they meet a strange man who says he's going to take them on a exp- private expedition and they're going to find loads of gold. What? Don't do that. Um, and they're going to be rich. Um, so they trust him. They go into, they fly somewhere, then they go deep into the jungle. They build a raft because some guys, one of the hipsters' feet gets really badly like blistered. Okay. So they try and get out using the river. Okay. Um, then the raft crashes, and Daniel Radcliffe is separated from um, the rest of them, and it's him wandering around the jungle for two weeks, getting more and more poisoned and battered and <laughs> gooey okay. and grim. And um, all right. Starts off as a really annoying, pretentious hipster film, and then the second half is absolutely amazing. But ugh, the, there's there's an effect <laughs> in it that is as there as anything in Brain Dead. Like he has to peel, he has to take a leech out of a blob in his head, uh. and he has to cut it open, and he has to dig around in the hole and then pull the leech out, uh, and it looks so no. real. And then he has to squash the gooey squidgy thick blood plasma infection out afterwards and then afterwards there's a montage of snakes and a giant spider comes up on the screen Ugh. and i screamed and screamed because <laughs> i had the laptop right close to my face what what is this on uh, amazon prime okay yeah oh, um yeah definitely worth a watch it surprised me cool um, yeah i tell you what, uh, the other thing i watched was uh well you might be able to hear it in my voice i've not been that well the last week so i've been Binge watching documentaries, as is the way when you're sick. Uh, I binge watch all of Terry Jones's stuff that I can find on YouTube. Mm. This guy, we sang his praises the other week, but this guy was an incredibly talented documentary guy. Incredibly funny, charming. He could make anything sound interesting, and often did. Mm. There's so much on YouTube. It's free. It's available. Everyone should watch it. Um, the history of the number one in particular really really impressive 
Yeah, I um, when I read the title, I was like, "This looks really boring." And then you well, showed me a bit of it now, and it's uh, no, it's really interesting. It's uh, yeah, it's about how it all comes together. And then I got onto Ancient Aliens, of course, and binge watched all of that on Netflix. Oh dear. <sighs> yeah, I've. Uh, it feels like I've been on some sort of detox camp and I've been rewired. Nice. Mm. Did you know that Apollo? Is named Apollo in the Greeks and the Romans, and is referenced in Viking mythology. Oh, that means aliens are real. Yeah, it means Apollo was an alien and oh. travelled around. That's cool. I like that. He even told the Greeks that he was off to the Northland, Northlands. Oh, did he now? Yeah. Oh, good old Apollo the alien. What? It's all real. Although it's not. What really bugs me is whenever they talk about bloody constructions and stuff. Mm. There's no way that someone in the 14th century could have built this. Why? Yeah. They had a lot more free time. Lots of free time. They had, they mapped the stars. They could do it. It's easy. It's, yeah. What it else does, were they doing? It kind of infuriates me. It's some sort of like, I don't know, what's the word? Snobbery? Elitism? There's no way they could do it, because yeah. we'd struggle now. They're more or less Neanderthals. Exactly. Like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Have you watched anything else? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> uh, nothing springs to mind. Alright, let's go into one of my... The first of my reviews, then. Adam's Film Reviews. Uncut Gems, 2019. How you doing, Holly? Right. How's it going? Hey, Howard. Good face, Alright, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. <laughs> made a crazy risk to gamble and it's about to pay off so I want the Celtics to cover I want the Celtics halftime I want Garnett points and rebounds what do you know? I don't know, I just know well I'll tell you what I know it's the dumbest bet I ever heard of I disagree I disagree Gary You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know what the... Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! When I do these reviews, I tend to have a good idea of what I want to see each week for the show. Only sometimes that decision gets made for me. Every now and then, a film comes around, normally on Netflix, that everyone around me just can't stop banging on about. So I figure, yeah, that might be worth a watch. When said film also happens to be starring Adam Sandler, an actor synonymous with sticking forks in your brain, and yet still everyone goes on about it, well... Let's take a look. Written and directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, with an additional writing credit for Ronald Bronstein, Uncut Gems follows Howard Ratner, played by Adam Sandler, a Jewish jeweller and gambling addict in the heart of New York City. Up to his eyes in gambling debts, Howard has his eyes set on making a big score with a rare, uncut black opal, which he believes will earn him a cool million, and then some. Things get complicated when Howard shows off the opal to a high-profile customer, the basketball extraordinaire Kevin Garnett, played by himself, who quickly becomes obsessed with the gem and demands he take it with him for good luck for the game that evening. 
Howard reluctantly agrees, but soon becomes apoplectic with impatience when Kevin doesn't immediately return it. With the auctioneer company on his back, an increasingly angry loan shark nipping at his heels, and his estranged wife bitterly demanding he spend time with his children, the only solace Howard gets is the time he spends with his mistress, Julia. When Howard suspects even Julia is cheating on him, well, that's what we call the descent. Everything goes quickly wrong, and as Howard hits rock bottom, he takes a moment to look once again at the black opal. And the upturn begins. I'm sure it wasn't completely accidental, but there is an odd mysticism hinted out of the eponymous Uncut Gems. When a character stares deep into the crystal, things change, and even the soundtrack bends itself to add an ethereal air to what would otherwise be just another MacGuffin in the vein of Pulp Fiction's briefcase or Snatch's diamonds. I think that's what stands out with Untouched Gems more than anything else. On the surface, this is a low-level gangster film with a man in crippling debt fighting against loan sharks and gangsters. Except there's a lot more going on. Besides Adam Sandler's quite honestly magnificent performance, and indeed the amazing performance by Julia Fox in her feature debut, Untouched Gems takes its time to introduce every element of Howard's life. He's more than just an addict and an idiot. He's also a three-dimensional family man who completely acknowledges the mistakes he makes. He's a schmuck, but a schmuck that's trying to survive the only way he can. Uncut Gems is quite honestly incredible. Not only does it look wonderful, the use of synth music and the film's pacing is enough to put you on the edge of your seat. I don't know about anyone else, but I've never felt quite so tense and excited watching a basketball game since Space Jam. Untouched Gems is currently on Netflix and seriously, it's earned its critical acclaim. The only thing that will leave you cold is when the credits roll and you sit back, take a sip of your drink and think, what the hell has Adam Sandler been doing his whole career? This is me. This is how I went. KJ, it's game night, you should be stretching out. What is he, a coach? Nah, he's just a crazy-ass Jew. Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I would love to have an in-depth film discussion with you, like I do on screen, bucket. Warning. Audiences everywhere are growing concerned about distasteful and gruesome films. This trailer depicts scenes that may offend sensitive viewers. If you are easily offended, cover your right eye now. However, if you enjoy a good broad-minded laugh, cover your left eye now. I thought you were a trustworthy boy, but going out behind my back with that oily shop girl kissing and cuddling in public. Mom, she's experienced. Lionel loves his new girlfriend. Oh, oh. Almost as much as he loves his mother. Mom. Brain dead. Brain dead. 1992 Peter Jackson classic, cult classic. Also known as Dead Alive. Yes. Um, so it's impossible to say how important this film was and is to us. 
because I mean, I remember watching this when I was 16 and then immediately going on and meeting you and us discussing our interests. I was watching it back because I don't think I've seen it since that sort of age. What? Really? That's insane. I've watched it so much. The influence that it has had on us is mental. With some, possibly without you realising as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah no, similar. Brain Dead. Uh, I've, I've said before that Evil Dead is what kind of woke me up to filmmaking. Oh my God, we could do this. Yeah. You know? Brain Dead was the next one. Brain mm. Dead was the first of that kind of uh, comedy eighties world. I say eighties. It feels eighties, even though it's nineties. Mm. Um, that was the next one in line. The movie going, yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a shame because that means I watched the, some of the two best ones first. But yeah, yeah Brain Dead is the first one I saw of Peter Jackson. Ignoring Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I didn't see Bad Taste till way after. No, me neither. I do think I prefer Bad Taste. Oh, I'm the opposite. I prefer Brain Dead. Really? Mm. I think Brain Dead's a better film, but I think I prefer Bad Taste. Right. Because it's just so small. Yeah. You know? It's so like, yeah, yeah, we can build this. Anyone can do that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But yes, Brain Dead. Uh, Peter Jackson directed and co-written by Stephen Sinclair, who went on to do Lord of the Rings as well. And also uh, Fran Welsh, who's been a long time uh, Peter Jackson collaborator as well. So yeah, what? tell me what happens. Okay, so we open in Skull Island. And as far as Peter Jackson is concerned, this is the same Skull Island as where King Kong lives. Um, because he loved King Kong so much. Um, so we've got... Um, some sort of uh, expeditionist and his um, foreign companion, they're carrying a wooden cage with an unseen creature in down a mountain. Um, Very much the opening of Jurassic Park, in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The natives appear. Um, they're adamant that they don't take the, yes. this creature, but he gets out his gun, makes him go away, takes him to the car, but he gets a bite. You've got... The bait! There's, there's some dit hole in the cheap! <laughs> the uh, natives who are taking him, I assume, back to a boat or a plane, they realise how deadly or what the consequences are of being bitten, so they chop off his arm. <laughs> then they realise his other arm's got a bite on it, so they chop off that arm. Vingaya! Then I realise he's got a scratch on his head. Head's got to go. Yep. And splat. Brain dead. Title. We're in. Um, And then we're in Wellington. We're in Wellington, New Zealand. And we're introduced to Lionel and his odious, odious mother, Vera. Yes. Think psycho level Bateman-esque. Hmm control over her son uh the we've got vera cosgrove and lionel cosgrove vera is the epitome of this sort of selfish over grandizing the uh hyacinth bouquet Mm. but evil but evil yes she runs all the women's institution stuff and all sorts of things like this and no one is taking her precious son away. No, that's a very, very clear... He is her property. Yes. Um, so we've got uh, pa- Paquita. Paquita, the love interest. Paquita um, is a shop 
a worker um, with the rest of her Spanish family. Her yes. Spanish grandmother predicts using tarot cards, but she's going to find a man and fall in love with him. She says you've got one romance, mm. and it will last forever. Yeah. And don't go near that man. Mm. Look out for this guy. And shows a black knight yes. card, tarot card, uh, with Lionel's kind of face on it. Uh, and look out for this sign. It's a cross with a crescent moon. And uh, there's an accident. They tip things over in the shop when Lionel well, comes Lionel, in. Lionel arrives, doing delivery, orders Black Knight licorice. Mm. Do you notice that? Yes. And then, well, they're... She's not interested in this guy. Whatever, whatever. Then there's a spillage, and there is the cross with the crescent. Mm. And she immediately goes mental. <laughs> yeah. She's like, her eyes wide, and she smiles, and he's like... Okay, leave me alone now. Okay, and she then drops the shopping off, drops his order off, and kind of tricks him into a date. Yes. What do you say, Zoo, 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 Zoo? Oh yes, tomorrow. <laughs> and um, he's so, so naive. He's so naive, isn't That's he? That's the thing that he's he's willing to go along, but also he he kind of wants this yeah to happen because he obviously hasn't experienced this. This is um. This is what's referred to as a meet-cute. Right. Since this is a romantic comedy, uh, this is one of those things that all romantic comedies will have a moment where the man and the woman are forced together. Yeah. It's normally because of the film, because of the they have to speed things along. Uh, it'd normally be an accident, normally be an immediate thing. So in this case, it's literally, look out for this sign, here's the sign. There we go, now you're together. Yeah. Uh, obviously not in here. We've got coffee going everywhere and all that stuff. So yes, so that's the meet cute. We we follow along to the date, being what with the ghost of the Wellington Zoo, uh, being watched, being stalked by Vera. Mm, she's not approving of this new blossoming relationship, and as she spies on them, well, we're introduced to the Sumatran rat monkey before this. Yes, so... <laughs> Which is actually... I laughed and laughed and laughed. With the, there's a monkey who gets too close to the Sumatran rat monkey's cage, isn't there? Yeah, so there... It's... Uh, Paquita, she's so excited to see the monkey, she throws an apple core, it bounces off the cage and lands between two other, another cage. Mm. The monkey reaches out. And then something... Swipes it away and punches it away. He goes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just flops to the floor. And this stop mo- motion monstrosity appears. Yeah, this horrendous creature. And um, yeah, he just rips off the corpse, mon- the monkey, dead monkey's arm, starts chewing on that. Um, yeah. Shortly after, Vera puts her hand too close <clears throat> and she gets the bite. Is it? No, it's on her shoulder, isn't it? It's on her arm. On her arm. Because it's where it's what. Yes. She screams, getting the attention of all the other people at the zoo, ruins the date, and Lionel escorts her back home. Oh, and she brutally murders the monkey. Oh, yeah. That's, she, that's done. Like, she's, she's an unbelievable. She, so there's this thing that has bitten her. She has a handbag, smacks it to the ground, and then heel stomps it, and then doesn't just, like punish it by kicking it she really grinds the healing eyeballs are cut she goes oh, to town. oh man i was eating um spaghetti bolognese at the time Ooh, and... oh, that's not ideal. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest choice for food for this film but yes uh so 
She's been bitten. She gets a rabies shot. It doesn't do a lot. Doesn't do a lot. Things, I'll tell you what I forgot watching the back. How quickly it progresses. It descends quite rapidly, doesn't it? Everything twists very, very quick. Because the next scene is the scene. Yeah. Basically. So she gets a, she's stuck a bite, it's infected. It looks so horrific. It looks bad. It's obviously like a latex arm with a pulsating thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, But then someone knocks at the door. So it's the some flower committee or something, isn't it? Who is it? It's the WLWL. She refuses to not see these people for some political mumbo-jumbo reason. Uh, So she forces herself to get ready. One of my... I remember thinking this at the time when I first saw it. This was what made me really laugh. She just put uh, makeup on and her face falls off. Yeah, just peels <laughs> off. And he has to get some super glue to stick it back on. I have to say, the first time I watched this film, I didn't know it was a comedy. Did you not? So we were watching it up to about this point, and we were like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, I can't, we couldn't tell. <laughs> like, this is where we started going, all right, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in on it now. Just peels off and she goes, oh. Trying to get some super glue and stick it back Ugh. on. and Oh, it's grim. She's quite literally falling apart. Uh, and then we get to the dinner scene. So she's ravenously hungry. She's grabbing food off of the woman's plate. Bits are falling off of her. Lionel's panicking and just trying to keep things together and keep things as normal as possible. Here, have some of my beans. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have some of those beans, lad. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's, a, it's another elderly woman and her husband. What's fantastic about this scene is how out of tune the husband is because she's falling <laughs> apart and at one moment he slams his hand down on the table and goes, what we need is another wall. She's <laughs> <laughs> completely oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> the, the wife is in complete and utter horror. Yeah, she knows going what's on. going on. She watches as Vera's ear like falls off into the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's just Lionel just trying to keep conversation here. I hear Sir Edmund Hillary's taking another trip to the South Pole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, of course, this is the scene that we recreated, which was definitely my favourite one. Yeah. I think. Looking I think we're all, um, we're all cast ourselves very well. Um, your no-pudding line was wonderful. Thank you, Lionel. What? No-pudding? And Matt, uh, we we managed to do the squirts very well. I enjoyed doing the, the jam squirt. The squirt worked very well. It's just ketchup wrapped in tissue paper, mm. and then jam into the into the custard. But yeah, it worked just as well, I think, as what happened in the film. Yeah. Oh man, that scene. Uh, there's so many people I know who I showed not only our 28 Days of Horror to, but the actual uh, 31 Days of Horror. I'm talking about. Uh, Show the actual clip to, and they've gone away going, I feel sick, I can't watch it. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so this is really, the, this is the really when it descends. And from here, uh, Vera just gets more and more mutated. Um, innocent people start getting in the way. So Paquita comes to visit Lionel. I think he's trying to dump her, isn't he? Because he doesn't want her to be, you know, she's giving him well, pressure. Vera very clearly said, don't leave me, Lionel. All yeah, that stuff. So yeah, um, he's done it in both ends, but he wants to. He, I think he wants to keep her away because he now knows something horrible is happening. Mm. And uh, 
yeah, the dog is eaten. <laughs> yeah, the creator's dog just runs upstairs. Yeah. And so the viewers start screaming. They run upstairs. <laughs> it's one of my favourite lines ever. Oh, Fernando! Your mother ate my dog! Not all of it. Not all of it. <laughs> and the bed is just covered in guts. <laughs> the tail. She oh, pulls man. out of her mouth. Yeah, it's horrendous. Uh, but then Vera goes on the rampage, tries to then attack Paquita. Uh, Lionel stops it, falls down the stairs. It looks like Vera's dead. Yep. Um, that's when it becomes a zombie film, really, at that point. Yeah. She then attacks the nurse in a wonderful, horrific scene. The gore and the effects in this film are incredible. They're so good. I, I'm watching it, I was thinking, oh, how, like, I kind of know how they did that. I want to do that. It's amazing. Like, simple bits like... Oh, I can't even... I don't even want to say it, really. I don't want to spoil it. But fingers going through a face, then the head snapping back, and it's still being attached. And, yeah. Oh, uh, God. There's um a literal set of internal organs at one point that crawls around on its lungs, and it has a sort of ventricle face, which goes... Oh, and it looks in the mirror. Yeah, it's so weird. This is the the other great thing. There's not really any rules. It's like Peter Jackson's made the very clear decision that he's going to have as much fun with it as he wants. Yeah. The lamp goes through the head of a woman and it she lights up. <laughs> There's walking intestines. There's all sorts of things. There's the what, what Yeah, that's the thing. As the film gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, so do the effects and the level of energy gets more and more and more as well. That some of the sequences when uh, Uncle Les uh, is chopping up bodies with knives. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And he sticks a, a garden gnome in the stump of a head. Yeah. Of a... <laughs> That's walking around later on. It's still going. It's like wonderful. The, the amount of stuff going on. Because Just... that's at the core of it. There is a romance story going on. You have Paquita and Lionel trying to get together while trying to fend off the undead hordes of the undead it kind of loses it at one point when they're just at, they're just separated and trying to survive hmm. and everyone's got their own part to play and everyone's doing their own thing I would say the bit with the guts goes on a little bit too long if we're going to criticise anything mm. yeah I know what you mean because Lionel's sort of on his own just being chased by guts <laughs> that's, no, that's I want a- him to be chopping things up that that's a good criticism to have, I think. If you're saying about a film, the guts attack went a bit too long, <laughs> then it's a very good thing. Well, yes, that, that's a criticism. Um, but then, yeah, then, I mean, we've got to touch on the lawnmower scene. Well, I mean, that's it. So things, a whole party of people are transformed into zombies. We've got Bequita and her friend in the middle. Everything's closing in on them. And suddenly, the door kicks open. <laughs> Party's over. And then we see him wrench on the lawnmower. This old-fashioned lawnmower, just a blade. Just mm. like a uh, jet blade going around. And he just walks through. Just walks through and mows the entire horde of zombies. Blood is flying everywhere. Guts, limbs. There's a wonderful shot where it's facing the door. And it, like you can mostly see the crowd in front of you. 
but over the top of them, you can see the flinging yes. limbs yeah, 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 coming yeah, closer yeah. and closer. There's more limbs flying through the air. It's so good. Well, my favorite thing is he walks through, and it's quite dry. Yeah. There's all the sounds of the screaming and the, and the blade and the blood. And then he turns around, and then some like weird ballet music comes on. Yeah. As he, just, he just starts walking back and forth through this horde of zombies. And he starts slipping on the blood. and That scene, I don't know if it still holds the record, but for years that had the most fake blood. It's 300 litres, wasn't it? Yeah, at least. Bloody mental. Genuinely, that is something to be proud of, you know? Um, then we get to the real ending. Ooh. Ooh. See, what's been happening is, while Lionel's been trying to keep the zombies quiet, He's been injecting them with uh, tranquilizers. Vera, in particular, there's a funeral sequence where she gets too much stuff in her. Yeah, like it just—it's just a nightmare of chemicals and things. Uh, and she transforms. She mutates. Uh, is this is a following an accidental injection of animal stimulant, isn't it? Yeah, and um, she. Remember when we played through House of the Dead Overkill? Yeah. And there was at the end, I don't really want to spoil it, but there's a bit which involves the um, antagonist crawling back into his mum, his dead <laughs> mum, um, which is which is kind of similar to what happens here, but except he's very reluctantly yeah, pulled into his mum's stomach. Yes. And, th- yeah, and then they all, yes. Ah, don't really want to... Spoil it, but this that is the most visual metaphor for what the whole film's about. The whole film is about a man trying to get with a woman around his possessive mum. Yeah. Who just wants him back inside. In the womb. Yes. So he has to physically remove that problem and be free. Yeah. And that's kind of where we end the film, really. Braindead is something that it's stupid to say that you have to watch it to understand it. You don't have to watch it to understand it. It's pretty straightforward. You have to watch it to enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's a... It's a... It's splatstick is the other it term for it. It's, it's lots of guts, lots of violence, lots of ridiculous stuff. And just laugh out loud comedy the whole way through. Yeah. I didn't even mention... We didn't even talk about the the priest. Oh, my God, the priest. So Lionel gets Vera buried, but then still has to... This is weird. He still digs her up to tranquilise her so she doesn't rise from the grave. Uh, which seems mad. Mm. So what we should do? Turn the coffin upside down. Yeah. Unless she digs down. Anyway. Mm, nice. Anyway. Uh, and while he's there, he, uh, he, he angers some teddy boys. Yeah. Who's just there. Mm. Uh and then when it all kicks off, the priest arrives. Of all people, the priest is disturbed from his slumber, sees Lionel being attacked by the three biker goons, and he unleashes his kung fu, kung fu fury on them. Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. Amazing. This man's been training for this his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great scene, so well directed, actually, as well. Oh yeah, Euro um, just ray- rains on them, punches and kicks, sends them flying it's just through the air out of nowhere. <laughs> I love it. The, I love it. 
immortal line. I kick ass for the Lord. Absolutely. Amazing. I mean, the other great scene as well is the baby scene. Apparently the baby scene was shot after the film was finished because they had loads of money left over. Like 45,000 left, didn't they? So Peter Jackson just filmed this. This scene, this scene, I remember crying with laughter the first time I saw it. Because two of the zombies actually have a baby yeah. earlier on. Uh, and because it's it was zombie science, it grows really quick, really fast. And it's massive. It's about, I don't know, it's toddler size. Mm. Straight out of the womb. Uh, Lionel decides to take it for a walk in a pram. I don't know what he's thinking at this point. Like, trying to just live life normally. Uh, but he's just following the cues of other women with prams and <laughs> and how it starts fighting back yeah. and there's a point when he's banging a, a baby zombie against the climbing frame mm. and all the women are going oh, oh no and a homeless man's just, ah! yeah. loving it <laughs> he turns to he, and he turns to the mums and he goes hyperactive yeah. and they're kind of like huh like a bit bemused by the situation, he's been beating the living daylight. So that, this baby. That is the best one-liner after that whole sequence. <laughs> Hyperactive. Oh, so good. <laughs> is is there any lessons we can learn from Brain Dead? Um, don't hold back on the blood. Don't hold back on the gore. Don't hold back on the goo. If I wish we saw it before doing Quaggers. Yeah. I think we would have gone a bit further. We would have, and I think we will be in future. I think if I've learned anything from watching it again, future instalments, we're going to go for the gross out a bit more. Yes. Definitely. And it's fun, yeah. It's a really fun movie. Really, really fun. And, I mean, I don't normally promote it, but it is on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Everyone, it's on YouTube. You can watch it right now for free. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Brain Dead, the best romantic zombie comedy you'll see before Shaun of the Dead. Exactly. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. Nick's game reviews The Division 2. I got a text about two weeks ago that said, Hey guys, Division 2 is dirt cheap at the moment. I've been playing it for the last month. I think you guys will like it. It was a group message to our old Destiny group. This group had lied dormant for about a year. No good group party games had come out. Some had tried, Anthem, Destiny 2, The Division, all had failed. So when this friend recommended we all start playing The Division 2, well, we all mocked him. But it was cheap, £3. And so we thought, what the hell? Two weeks later, and I have to say, I am hooked. This is the sequel to one of the most boring, empty, soul-destroying games of this generation. And yet, Massive Entertainment have clearly seen the potential where others did not. They've listened to all the negative feedback, they've watched other online shooters looters come and go, and they've created a game that genuinely works. The key to any game like this is the replayability, and The Division 2 knows exactly what would work with this. Begrudgingly, it's Ubisoft's tower and activity structure. Split the map into areas, get players to unlock those areas gradually, and populate said areas with a mixture of easy and challenging activities that keep you coming back for more. 
The multiplayer is familiar but unique, the raids are challenging, require teamwork but also keep the fun going, and the story, it's actually good. Who knew Ubisoft could make a game that had both a good story and good gameplay? Speaking of gameplay, the shooting is superb. You know I love a good shooting mechanic and this game has them in droves. From the popping of an automatic rifle to the thumping blast of a shotgun. But it's not just run and gun, you really have to be tactical and think about what you're doing. Think cover shooters like Gears and then pump it up to 100. All in all, the game won me over where it had no right to. If you like a fun and challenging looter shooter that brings you and your mates together, this is the one at the moment. Also, it's pretty good representation of Washington DC, to the point where I was walking down past the ellipsis and my girlfriend yelled, oh my god, that's the bench we saw that squirrel with the big balls. Fantastic. Greetings from Tromerville. I'm Lloyd Kaufman, legendary filmmaker about whom you have never heard. And I'm here today to talk to you about a little film called Tromeo and Juliet which, by the way, was the debut film for James Gunn, who uh, went on to write, uh, after Tromeo and Juliet, a movie propounding uh, um, incest. Uh, James Gunn's next career move was to write the delightful children's movie, Scooby-Doo. And I'm here to uh, take part in Trailers from Hell. Parting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> totally sucks. I went to a trauma retrospective in England. And whilst there, I visited the birthplace of William Shakespeare. And whilst there, William Shakespeare's spirit entered my body. I cannot tell you from which orifice Shakespeare's spirit exited my body, but the result was Tromeo and Juliet. One of the reasons I like Shakespeare is that trauma in its 35 years has been, uh, I guess uh, you would call it a shit disturber, and Shakespeare definitely stirred the shit. I took a shot at writing a draft, it sucked. John G. Avelson, uh, with whom I worked on Rocky, uh, told me, get away from Shakespeare and find some young kid who's in high school and, and get him to uh, talk the talk. That didn't work. One day, James Gunn walks in the office, and uh, he was coming in basically to do filing or be my bitch boy. And he wrote an amazing draft of Tromeo and Juliet. Uh, it was about six hours long, and it had about six urination scenes. But uh, we came up with a good, uh, very good script, the dark, funny, and I think Tromeo and Juliet probably is, uh, is one of Troma's most successful movies. I think it saved Shakespeare's career. And a, a little known fact that um, nobody would, uh, once again, as uh, with all Troma movies, no cinema would play Tromeo and Juliet, uh, rightfully so. Uh, and, but in this case, it was because Shakespeare doesn't make money. Shakespeare's a failure. You can't make money with Shakespeare. It's ridiculous. Luckily, Baz Luhrmann's movie, which had started two years later, came out and uh, was a huge hit, and that opened the doors for Tromeo and Juliet. There were a few uh, angry theater owners who thought that Tromeo and Juliet was uh, a Bars Lerman's uh, movie, so that we did get a little ill will there. But uh, the end result was that Tromeo and Juliet was uh, beautifully received, very good uh, film festival record, and actually uh, has been one of Troma's finest hours. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnai! Jurassic World 3 is due to start filming very soon, according to Chris Pratt. During an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Chris Pratt confirmed production on Jurassic World 3 will begin very soon. I'm in it. Yeah, we're gearing up. We're getting ready to go very quickly. Uh, yeah, let's rush it out. Br brilliant. Get that out of the way. Done. <sighs> I did, like, hindsight, wonderful thing and all, but I think the thing which makes me saddest about the Jurassic World saga in general is how... If you watch Jurassic Park, it's so smart. It's a very intelligent film. 
and it's sophisticated and it talks about morals and and this very the characters are deep yeah that's because it's not about the film isn't about dinosaurs it's got theme it's about parenthood and mm. god yeah and our relationship with god and now it's just Dinosaurs! Dinosaurs, bigger dinosaurs, made up dinosaurs, dinosaurs that never existed but we made. Do you remember this? Um, I. Who wouldn't want to see a film about, um, you know, dinosaurs running amok in, in America? Like, I like the idea of that, but it's not Jurassic Park, really, is it? Well, well yeah, that's true, because all loose now aren't they well, did you remember that short though that short was really good the short was good yeah so there is potential I don't know I just feel like eh yeah I want it to go away for five years and then come have a think about what it's done have a think about what it's done <laughs> and then come back with another smart growing up Jurassic Park that knows what it's talking about it is weird when you think about Jurassic World because it's made money but it's not been critically you know, acclaimed. And Star Wars had the same journey. Mm. And Star Wars, they kept going, oh, no, that's bad. Oh, and kept changing it and swapping the director in and out. Yeah. They didn't do that with Jurassic World. They just sort of left it. Yeah. Do its own thing. Mm. It's weird. What's the... Why... Is that... Is not... Disney being twitchy? Or is that... Maybe it's... There's not so much of, like, the mental fan base that Star Wars has. Like, you feel like you're treading on eggshells with anything with Star Wars. I mean, that's true. That's true. Jurassic Park, to a certain extent, do your own thing. Kids love dinosaurs. Yeah, it's fine. All good. Yeah, I suppose you can say the, the, even the worst critic review, they'll still go, but it was quite a cool scene. X and Y. Yeah. That's why, like, with the first Jurassic World, I was a bit with the T-Rex when I saw it in the cinema fighting the Indominus Rex. I'm bloody, like, in awe of it at the cinema. I loved it. <laughs> I think I turned to my girlfriend at the time and went, oh, I know what's coming. more teeth Um, yeah we'll see how it goes Indiana Jones 5 is also due to start filming shortly we need to start calling this section sequels sequels (laughs) this is the last sequel thing ish in this fortnight but we do need to I wanted to talk about Indiana Jones 5 anyway but yeah Harrison Ford during a recent interview revealed that shooting on the 5th will commence commence in about two months I mean, he's so old. He's so old. He can't swing on a freaking rope anymore, can he? No, no. But he could uh, fly a plane. He could fly a plane. He could do all the Sean Connery stuff. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Which I would actually that would be pretty cool. But they that they kind of that's flown the tube because now Shia LaBeouf's gone mad. I wonder if they can get was, him back. That was kind of the idea, I think. Hmm. I'd, I'd like Charlotte. I've, I've t- turned a page with Charlotte. I quite like him now, to be honest, because I like that he's gone mad. I think he's done a bit too far to go back now. Yeah. To be a charming. I know, wonder if they just adventure. reference him and he's not in it. I don't know. Well, but, he's um, gone to prison or something. Yeah. But, you know, we, we love the Indiana Jones universe. We love Indiana Jones. He's the coolest character of all time. Do we so. know if it's set when it's set? Because the last one was in the 50s. Yeah, so this one would have to be the 60s. Beatlemania is going on, but Indiana Jones... There'll be Russians again, won't it? We caught more Cold it War stuff. Must, must still be Russians. But then, could it be moon landing stuff? Ooh, if it's more... 60s. Yeah. Hippies. 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 Druids. Oh, Drugs and druids What and if stuff. he's on Apollo 11? He's the third man. 
Yeah. Because of the crystal skull aliens are on the moon! Oh! Yeah, why not? Let's go with that. Because he's... Oh my god. Yeah. Space Jones. And that's how we can get around being inflexible and old. Low gravity. He's floating. Give him a laser gun. Oh. Yeah. Right, well, I'm, I'm writing it writing it now. It writes itself. Um, Universal is working on a Bride of Frankenstein movie, despite scrapping the dark universe. Hmm. So in 2017, Universal announced it would be reviving its classic monster franchises as part of an MCU-inspired shared universe called The Dark Universe. Um, this began with Tom Cruise's Mummy reboot, which was turds. So that kind of like really took it off the rails. Um, surprisingly, the studio is now pushing forward with a series of director-driven and more cost-efficient reboots instead, um, beginning with Blumhouse and Leigh Wannell's The Invisible Man yes. later this month, which looks really, really good. It does look really, really good. Um, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I've never watched Bride of Frankenstein. You're not? No. Uh... It's alright. Absolute classic as far as I've been I've read. It yeah, I mean it opens the door. It I think it's one of those things that gets referenced more right. than just plain Frankenstein. Yeah. They or they tend to merge the two together. Yeah, no, interesting. I like that it's gone kind of backwards. They're doing what they should have done first. Yeah. Little things, smarter things, and then and then piece them together later. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, should be, should be good. Um, have you seen the trailer for The Iron Mask? In fact, I'm going to make you watch it right now. What? Yeah. What was that? I don't know. So... Uh, <laughs> the Jack- everyone don't look up of The Iron Mask. It. What? What was that? Ah? <laughs> uh, it's like... A parody of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's with the wrong cast. Yeah, the colours weird, the sound editing's bad. Um Arnold and Jackie Chan, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan, they seem to be in one scene. And I imagine they're probably only in that scene. Uh, uh, but whoever made this movie, they've got them in. I think this might be Rutger Hauer's last film. No. <laughs> That's how he's taking his bow. I oh. think he might play the dragon. I could be wrong. Oh, well, at least he's not actually. Yeah, Jason Fleming's in it. Um, it's just so weird. All the comments are just saying, Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm in! Yeah. That's what they want you to say. I mean, that's why, people are, that's why people are going to watch the movie. Um, I will watch the hell out of this on TV, but I don't think I'm going to go and see it at the cinema because that's it. Just looks, it looks like it on a level of cats bad. Oh god, it looks like a crap video game. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, go away. <laughs> yeah, really, really weird. Um, but there's a big dragon, so whatever. I'm... Uh, I don't get the fuss about dragons. Just putting right. it out there. They're all right, aren't they? They're all right. That's yeah. fine. But people go crazy about dragons. Yeah. It's all, it's, I don't get it. Sorry. Reign of Fire was the last time I like was in, inspired by a dragon film, I think. <sighs> I loved it. But uh, um, Smaug. Smaug looked incredible, but The Hobbit didn't. 
<laughs> anyway, yes. Um, finally, Robert England has said he feels it is too old to ever play Freddy Krueger again. No. He says, I don't think I'll ever don the makeup again. Uh, talking to Entertainment Weekly, he said, I'm a little too old for that. A little too, little long in the tooth to play Freddy now. I think if I was doing it, it would more like be more like Freddy versus Viagra. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that sounds great. That's a porn everyone wants to see. <laughs> well, to be honest, though, you do think if we're running the original actors through retirement, mm. maybe we should stop remaking them. Yeah. There must be some new ideas, but not without Wes Craven. Yeah. Yeah, we need to summon the spirit of Wes Craven well, to this find is out because because the Wes Craven estate has moved, isn't it? I think the reason that f- there's more Nightmare on Elm Streets and screams now, like suddenly happening, mm. is because of what's happened with that. Yeah, well, yes, it's true, and, we, and we've talked about that before. I, it, uh, do you know what it, part of the issue is? Horror, specifically horror, and a couple other genres as well, drama maybe. We've we've gone full circle into the seventies now. Mm-hmm. And the 70s is famous for being quite slow and quite boring. Yeah. So you've got your A24s, Lighthouse, The Witch, Midsummer, all that stuff. Um, that's very 70s. And I think people aren't ready for that yet. No. So people still want popcorn stuff. They need to... Well, I think the horror world is now screaming for a new antagonist. We need another Ghostface. We need another Michael. Yeah, but I think now the horror is real. The horror is you. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. We're going to have to go through that. Alright, get that out of the way. The the, the current horror is going to be your hereditary human summer where mm. it's people getting twisted and mutated into something horrible. Dark, sinister, uncomfortable films to watch. I mean, The Green Knight is like a medieval horror coming out. Oh yeah, that looks awesome. Another A24 film and that is similarly like dark and twisted looking. Um, so yeah, they're trying to get into that level of psyche for horror. It's not just about fear anymore. It's about writhing and wiggling in discomfort whilst well, being I, scared. I think it's not about fun anymore. I think it's no. The, it's the thing. no, you're absolutely right. But yeah, yes. Cool. Yeah, so concludes Fortnite Schmortnight. Yay. Adam's Film Reviews. Birds of... Sorry, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, 2020. You know what a Harley Quinn is? A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. No one gives two shits who we are beyond that. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out I wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. Miss Quinn, she belongs to me. Who are you guys? Here's the deal, Quinn. You need me. Directed by Kathy Yan and written by Christina Hodston. Birds of Prey acts as a spiritual sequel to 2016's Suicide Squad, this time focusing on Harley Quinn, played again by Margot Robbie, and her adventures after Suicide Squad, and indeed, after her relationship with the Joker, which has finally come to an end. And end, it most certainly has. When we meet Harley again, she's plunged deep into grief, having been thrown out on the streets 
by the Joker for the last time. Spending her time hitting the town and hitting the tequilas, Harley is treated with a soft hand by everyone around her, fearing that her involvement with the Joker might cause more trouble than it's worth. See, Harley isn't exactly telling everyone she's single again. She's too busy enjoying her time of guilt-free anarchy. Harley only finally makes a declaration to the world that she and Joker are over when she steals a tanker full of petrol and ploughs it deep into the heart of the Gotham Ace Chemicals plant, causing a fireball that draws the attention of Detective Rene Montoya, played by Rosie Perez, who has previously been heavily involved investigating the multiple murders of known mobsters by an unknown assailant. With Harley's excessively public relationship status update, the crosshairs begin to fall on her, targeted by every part-time criminal, aggrieved citizen and hungry police officer. Harley quickly finds herself on the run, surviving mostly through dumb luck and no small amount of genuine skill. Her time runs out, however, when she's cornered by the goons of gangster Roman Sionis, played by the wonderfully scenery-chewing Ewan McGregor. See, while we follow Harley in a colourful adventure through Gotham, there are shades of deep change afoot on the streets of Gotham. The old guard of organised crime, your mafia or triad types, are swiftly being brushed aside in the crime-infested city, with their whole population being wiped out by the ruthless greed of the new wave of criminals, portrayed here by Roman Sionic. Part of this plot involves a diamond, within which holds the code to the fortune of the late mafia family, and Roman wants this bad. When Roman sends his top henchman, the disturbed and off-hinge Victor Zaz, played by Chris Messina, and the badass with a heart of gold Dina Lance, also known as Black Canary, played by June Smollett Bell, to collect the diamond, his plans are foiled by the plucky pickpocket from the streets, Cassandra Kane, played by Ella J. Basco, who's quick to swallow the diamond the moment she realises she owns it. With the diamond missing, Roman spares Harley from a fairly irreversible defacing and sets her loose to find Cassandra, along with the rest of the criminal underworld. In no time at all, Harley is on her very own adventure and soon crosses paths with not only Cassandra, but Black Canary, Detective Montoya and even the mysterious crossbow killer herself, known as the Huntress, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Let me put it out there, Birds of Prey is a lot of fun. It's an action-adventure ramped sort of action, one-liners, and a colour palette to make any primary school classroom blush with shame. Sassy anti-heroes facing up against the unhinged and dangerously mad gangsters in a city that's eating itself is about as perfect a pitch for a movie I can think of. And yet, for all the fun and bone-crunching action, there does seem to be something missing for me in Birds of Prey. I've been racking my brains trying to work out exactly what it is, while I'm not a huge fan of the hip-hoppy soundtrack, it's unfortunately something much deeper. Harley Quinn is... she's just not mad enough. Oh sure, she's a bit kooky, and yes, fair enough, she does spend most of the first act depressed, but this was an excellent opportunity to let the reins loose and go absolutely insane with these characters, with the premise, and yes, with the action. This was mostly... This was particularly missing around the second act, where I felt the pacing sagged almost the stopping point, before rapidly building up again to a wonderful final sequence that could have fallen straight out of Joel Schumacher's notebook for Batman and Robin. But when all's said and done, this is a lot of fun, and a great follow-up to Suicide Squad. 
Special mention should be made of Harley and Dina exchanging hairbands during the final climactic battle. This is totally worth a watch. You're the psycho chick. You never call a woman a chick. I'll accept broad lady woman, and on occasion bitch. Bitch? What are you talking about? for me, will you? Oscars! Yeah, the 92nd Academy Awards happened last week. Yeah, a hostless, strange affair in which different people were constantly rolled out. People were introduced to introduce people who introduced the Oscar. Do you know what? One day we should do a live stream of us watching it. Yeah. And I know that that comes with a lot of misery. Mm. But I think that might be something worth doing. Yeah. Set up a camera on us, reacting and watching, commenting on the Austria footage as it happens. Yeah. We need something else exciting in the room at the same time, I think. Maybe like a snake. <laughs> something about to happen at any point. Just, we could put, I mean, we could gamble on it. We could yeah. make it a betting thing. Yeah. Or yeah, something. Sounds reasonable. Or a drink game where we nominate, so we have a list of things each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, play, play Jenga. Something. <laughs> play for poker. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that might be something to think about. But this year, we are doing it the old traditional way of waking up the next morning going, oh. oh. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100% that. Um, so we had some petitions last time based on what we'd seen. Um, some came true. Yep. I think. Uh, Roger Deakins obviously won Best Cinematography. Yeah, and it would have been dumb if anything else did, because it was just the best cinematography I think I've ever seen. Um, some of the best. Um, We've both said, I'm pretty sure we both said Wacken Phoenix would win as yeah. Joker. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that Laura Dern got Best yeah. Supporting Actress for Marriage Story. Um, yeah, Venezuela Wedge and Judy. I haven't seen Judy. I haven't even seen it advertised. No, me neither. No, anything about Judy. Uh, but there's some shocks. Ooh, where are we going? Well, directing. Everyone assumed Martin Scorsese would get it. Bong. The triumphant Bong. Um, I said in the last show that I thought 1917 was going to clear house, especially in terms of like the directing ones like that. Or, you know. Um, and then I saw Parasite, and then I messaged everyone instantly, and I said, oh, that's winning. Because it's, it's, it is a masterpiece. It's, yeah. it's an amazing film. He's such um, a metaphorical director. Every scene means something. Every shot, rather, means something. Okay, he, he, he does this wonderful thing where he'll put a line in a window and then two people interacting beyond the window and, you'll, and it kind of tells you a story of where they are and what it means. And Someone crosses the line and does something that they shouldn't do. Okay. And it's literally them crossing the line on the window. There's this... There's so much visual stuff and the class commentary in it. It's just a beautiful, fantastic film. Yeah, d- now it's one. It's being shown in a few more places, so I will be watching that very soon. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see it. The- it caused a lot of con- controversy. I've-, I've seen some reviews now. You mentioned you'd seen some as well, of people going mental about this. Because it won... What did it win in the end? It won Best uh, Original Screenplay. Um, best Director. Best uh, Picture. Best Picture. And Best International yeah. Picture. It won four. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of people arguing about that it shouldn't have won Best Picture. 
Uh, yeah, they, well, they do need to sort it out because it's a weird one. If there's, if it, they, it, of course, it should be able to win best picture. But what are we doing with the? Why can you win best international film and yeah, best picture? Yeah, like why is the international film a category if international films can win best picture? Yeah, because it's either international or it's national. Is it the sort of thing where if it graduates to being capable of winning Best Picture, then it loses... But then surely all of the Best International Features nominees should have also been nominees in Best... Yeah. So, you know... Unless it had American money or something. Mm. Maybe there was some weird blow in the light. Yeah, the, there was a guy I saw who was going mental about the fact that... Was jo- this the Beardy Southern... Yeah, beardy <laughs> this has been shared moron. a lot. Said, oh... <laughs> Joker, why didn't Joker win Best Picture? I haven't seen Parasite, but come on, it's Korean sort of thing. And a lot of people were having that sort of response to it. A, the moment you are trying to compare two films and you say you haven't seen one of them, you're instantly a prat. (laughs) Like, come on. I mean, that's the fan syndrome. Yeah. It's when you take things uh, about your beloved franchise or whatever as yourself it is an icon of yourself yeah no you're so right so if Joker was who this person identified I am Joker I yeah. am that film I'm everything about that film and he's going to die on that hill and if you get that anything against Joker he's going to take you personally yeah um, and so that I guess in their mind is a slight to Joker mm. I don't mean that's true yeah they're still nominated I think nominations are almost as important yeah absolutely although I am quite Quietly chuffed the Irishman got something. <laughs> Make a film people want to see. Um, yeah, but you know, was, I think it's Martin Scorsese was almost in tears of like happiness, unless that's just what his face does. When Taika Waititi said to him, Oh, yeah. No, it was Bong Joon Ho, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, said, yeah. he quoted a quote from Martin Scorsese and like said how inspirational it was to his filmmaking journey. And Scorsese looked like he was tearing up. He's like, Look at this young director coming up. Who I've well, taught. yes. So that was a wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite really chuffed that uh, Taika Waititi took home with that screenplay, though. Yeah, he, that film needed something, and that definitely deserved that. He's a oh, he's such a bloody character, isn't he? He really is. Look at the picture he's, on the top of this winners list. He's <laughs> he's the most charming filmmaker. He's a beautiful man. Beautiful <laughs> man. I, I think I fancy him. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he. Uh, Famous for his naps on set. Really? He would go away and disappear for an hour and just have to sleep. There, there was um, a, a sort of director's writer's table thing where they were interviewing Bong Joon-ho, Taika Waititi, Sam Mendes. All the nominees. Yeah, yeah. And um, they, Quentin Tarantino, they were all going into so much detail about how how they direct, what the set is like, what the, um, yeah, you know, what they had around and stuff. And he said, when it was his turn, he goes, well what I like to do is I like to get a couch and then I will watch back some footage lying down kind of diagonally because that's how I would watch the TV so <laughs> oh, I yeah, just want to yeah. see kind of hold a remote in my hand <laughs> just, I was like oh you're amazing <laughs> yeah well he's uh, inspiration is that man yeah um, always of course had the backlash of snubs and things but I mean, it's a whole political thing that we won't touch on. No, 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 no. Mm. Someone else is going to do that. So, yes, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Parasite. Yeah. I'm quite happy with most of the winners. Yeah. That's it. That's all there is to say. Yeah. Till next year. Agreed.
And that was the show. That was the show. Wonderful. So yes, we've uh, we've not dipped too much into Valentine's. No. I don't think we're really feeling it. Good. Good. Yeah. But I have drawn another heart. Oh, thanks, mate. Well done. Do you know, the heart yeah. is actually a bum. Yeah. That's what it means. Bum. It's, it's Venus's bum. Venus's body. The goddess of love. <laughs> nice. Very good. Um, so, uh, well, we're, we're very, very close. I know we said every bloody week, we're nearly there at the end of Quaggers. We've just got the sound to do. The amazing Dave Lunt, um, who I would definitely recommend to anyone who wants anything colour graded. Um, he does the colour grading for us. And we've just got that back. And now we're... Yeah, it's just sound. And we have to do a weird liquid latex scene as well, don't we? Yeah. 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 We'll get that done. That'll be quite quick. Mm. Um, the nice, just extra special effect we just throw in just because it needs yeah. need something. Um, yeah, so sound is a beast in itself and I want to get it done and out of the way as soon as possible. It's annoying that I was ill this week because it meant I've done soddle on it. But yeah we'll be done and then premiere we can announce that finally um if you want to see the poster you can check it out on our website at www.holodellmedia.co.uk and if you want to check out our new merchandise store yeah you can do that on spreadshirt um best thing to do for that is to go to again www.holodellmedia.co.uk and follow the link on the front page Oh yeah. my gosh, we're selling out. Shirts, hoodies, buttons. We've got some Quaggers concept art on there. What I would love to do, when we move into the next stage of content, to do regular, like, whatever we're doing that month, we'll get a new thing done. Yeah. So if anyone listening is an artist or wants to get their foot in the door, step up their own productivity, let us know. Get in contact, because... It'd be awesome to have someone like you on board and just plugging away at this stuff behind the scenes. It'd be fantastic. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Shared opportunity. Um, again, if you like our stuff, please check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at screen underscore bucket or at Media. God, there's so much to say. Well done, Adam. Oh, my God. The key thing is watch films... Talk about them, engage with them, look locally as well. We don't do enough local stuff because our listenership's very spread out. But I think there's a lot of local stuff going on. It's worth having a look around. Yeah, definitely. Support your local filmmakers, watch the local films. Yeah, indie film, love, joy. Yes. As it's Valentine's Day. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Huh? Whose turn is it to pick a film? Mine. I think it's yours. Right. Okay, Adam goes to the shelf. He grabs a book. The book is titled The Pirates by George MacDonald Fraser. Yes. The Flash- Flashman Man, isn't it? He is the Flashman Man. Yes. The Pirates is a very weird book. Mm. It's about... It's kind of written like a, a pantomime. Right. On a, on a boat, and there's people getting kidnapped. And, and I'm one of several people who own this book, who I know, who own this book, read it, for a bit and put it down again. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's quite a tricky one. But it's still good. Anyway. Uh, so, I'm going to 
flick through the pages. Rob's going to tell me to stop. Stop. And Sorry, no. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> and then I will use that word to pick the film for next time. Okay. Stop. Okay. Stop. Behind. Ooh. Ooh. Behind. Behind. Okay. The full sentence is, As the Santa Cascara glide o'er the ultramarine surface, or the Carib Sea, for distant Cartagena on the main, while the crew were all forward watching the invoice oh puppet show, God. and the only dusky steward hovered round the table, the ship's steel band waited concealed behind a canvas screen, the imperious Spanish half-pint, oh, emerged from the cabin, God. all demure delicacy in gown of scarlet satin, Shut diamonds up. of price twinkling neath her mantilla, no more. A, fa- a fan of black lace, all the same concealing her face south of those toily downcast eyes. Ugh. Yeah, that was, that was one sentence. That was one sentence. Jesus. Yep. No, no. So... Behind. Behind. So it's right. going to be the pick for next time. Well, uh, looking forward to it. I <laughs> hope it's got an arse in it. <laughs> we'll see. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, take it easy, guys, and we'll see you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight. Thank you.